good. Acts chapter number 12, if you'll be turning there. Acts chapter number 12, I do want to thank all of those that were able to go out yesterday. We're going to be going out every Saturday in the month of November. I know everybody can't make it every day, uh, but hopefully everybody will be able to at least make one of those Saturdays. And I know at the very least on a conservative estimate, we've knocked on over a thousand doors here in Hattiesburg in the past couple of weeks. And uh, I just have to tell you how encouraging it's been to knock on doors and have people thank us when we get ready to leave. Yesterday I had the privilege of going with my wife and daughter. We don't usually get to go very often because I'm usually paired up with someone else. We got to go together yesterday, and it was such a wonderful time uh, getting to share hope. Someone asked me while we were there, says, well, you know, what are you, what are you guys doing? I said, we're just trying to spread a little bit of hope. And they said, well, that's always a good thing. And I just had a great time. I know we had more people come to know the Lord yesterday as their Savior, and what a blessing it was. I put on Facebook, I reached one house uh, that evidently you go to the carport door, not the front door, because when I got to the front door, uh, I found laying there on the, the stoop of the door. Uh, one of our central tracks that had been left there it looked like a little over a year ago. It had been laying there for a while. Uh, but what an encouragement it was to know that somebody in our church cared enough about their community to go by and invite somebody to church and to share the hope of Christ with them. And we try to share that every Sunday, but especially in December, we're going to be sharing the hope, the only true hope uh, that that Christ child gave to us on that first Christmas as we celebrate that. So be sure if you have a chance, uh, come with us on Saturdays at 1030. Uh, we had to order another thousand tracks because we're running low on those. and I think we're totally out of door hangers. Uh, but what a fun thing it is to share hope. There's a lot of people out here in the world today and they're sharing negativity uh, and they're sharing division. We as the people of God, what a privilege it is. We get the opportunity to share hope. So join in with us at Saturdays at 1030 as we'll be doing just that. I did mention that I was going to announce the winner of our blue out this morning, uh, but I failed to get the pictures loaded. So we're going to have to do that tonight. Uh, we have so You have to see the pictures of those who came out of the ball game dressed from head to toe in blue. It was very good. I'll show you tonight uh, at the 5 o'clock service. Acts chapter number 12, look down to verse number 1, and let's read. The Bible says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. The angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals, and so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you again for the privilege of being here today. Thank you, Father, that we can trust and we can know that, Lord, you're working in the midst of our world right now. And I pray that your people would not get distracted by all that's going on in our world, but we would seek or to find what you desire to do, Lord, in us and through us to help our world. 
I pray that, Lord, you'd help us today to preach the message you've sent. Lord, I desire just to do your will. Pray for liberty. And I pray, Father, that we would be willing to receive and respond to your word in a, in a way that's pleasing to you. Bless the invitation today, Lord. I pray that we'd not hold back. That, Father, however you lead us, Lord, during this message, that we'll respond, that we'll be obedient and leave here, Lord, walking closer to you the way you'd have us to be. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. In Acts chapter number 12, we're reading about one of my favorite accounts in Scripture. And it's one of those accounts that as I read it, I'm still young enough to imagine what it must have been like. Uh, I've asked some of you who are older than me, do you ever get to a place where you quit imagining things? I I hope not. Uh, I hope until my dying day when I'm 147 years old, uh, I hope that I still have a good imagination. I hope that I never grow out of being able to picture things in my mind and imagine what it must have been like for this to happen to Peter. As a matter of fact, I think this would probably make a wonderful action movie. You think about it. Here's this daring clandestine rescue by God going in behind enemy lines to bring out one of his own people in a miraculous way. Those are the type of movies I like to watch. Now, I'm an action movie kind of guy, all right? I've already shared with you, only if the wife asks me am I really willing to sit down and spend time watching a Hallmark movie, okay? I'm just being honest with you. I don't like to cry. I, I, I just be honest. I don't like to cry. I don't like sad movies. And most Most of the Hallmark movies, I can predict for you exactly how they're going to go. I won't take the time to do that because we all know what's going to happen. I like to watch action movies, okay? I've been that way since I was a kid. Uh, We get up on Saturday mornings. Do kids do that anymore? Do you get up on Saturday mornings to watch cartoons? I think now everything's on demand. You don't have to get up early to watch cartoons. But my sister and I, we'd get up. We'd come downstairs to watch the Smurfs. And uh, we'd watch uh, uh, Inspector Gadget. And we'd watch Scooby-Doo and other things along that line. But to be honest with you, my favorite cartoons were the action ones. All right? I told you last week, uh, I believe in being a manly man. All right? I, I didn't watch Barney. Uh, you know, I didn't watch those Wuzzles or whatever they were called. I liked action cartoons. I like He-Man. I mean, well, that was a good one, wasn't it? Classic from the 80s. Thundercats, you know, the guy with the sword. Oh, some of you are too embarrassed to do it. I'm not. Remember, look, I'm not going to grow out of it. Uh, I like watching G.I. Joe, and I like watching Transformers, He-Man. Man, those were my favorite cartoons in the whole world. Why? Because they were just kind of these manly cartoons. Uh, I believe in that toxic masculinity, amen? Uh, I got a bad case of it, and I think that's the way God made me, amen? Trying to be masculine. I think guys ought to be masculine. Uh, but there was always a common theme in those movies and all in those cartoons. Oftentimes, what would happen is the bad guy would capture the good guy, Uh, And the good guys would have to come up with a plan to go in and rescue their buddy that was behind enemy lines, similar to what's happening here. It's kind of like in those 80s action movies. Always there was a guy who got captured or maybe a soldier who got caught behind enemy lines and would always try to find that special guy to come in and rescue him. You knew 97% of the time who it was. It was going to be Chuck Norris. (laughs) Chuck Norris was always the guy that you called. It didn't matter what show it was about. Uh, I mean, it didn't matter if it was an army show. It didn't matter if it was, you know, something happened on American soil. It didn't matter. Chuck Norris was going to be the guy to come in and save the day. I think I even saw Chuck Norris on Wheel of Fortune one time. He just is everywhere all the time saving the day. And he'd go in there behind enemy lines, and he'd bring out the good guy, and he'd take out all the bad guys. Now, that's fiction, okay? Some of you I just let down. You see your face. What? 
Yeah, that, that's fiction. Now, Chuck, Chuck's a real guy, and I think Chuck can really do a roundhouse like that, but I don't think he rescued that many people. Those things are fiction, but a lot of times those are based on fact. Much like the account we're reading this morning, this is very much a fact. And we're seeing just as in those cases that are fictionalized on television, uh, someone has been captured. They're being held hostage, and it's going to require someone to come in and rescue them. But can I tell you something? I've never been held hostage I have had to go shopping a few times, which probably borders that, but uh, I've never been held hostage. I've never been put in prison before, but you don't just walk out of a hostile situation. Anytime old Chuck would get ready to go behind enemy lines and rescue somebody, the majority of the movie, old Chuck was planning on how he was going to get them out. The rescue really only took about five minutes at the end of the movie. It's the same way with the cartoons, you know. The whole time they're watching the enemy and watching when the guards come past the gate and uh, sinking their watches together, finding out when they could get in and get past the guards and turn off the power and all of these things. Most of the movie was working out the details on how they were going to deliver the person who was held hostage. As we read Acts chapter number 12, we're going to see that scenario play out. Peter's deliverance from this prison was not something that happened by accident. Peter's deliverance out of this prison was something that God had several pieces come together in order for him to get delivered out of the captivity that he was in. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I know many today in this world, I know many in this world today who are just in the case as Peter. They are in need of deliverance. I'll be honest with you this morning, oftentimes in my personal life, I find myself in need of deliverance. Sometimes I find myself held captive by fear. Have you ever been there? You know, sometimes we go out knocking doors, inviting people to church, and our nerves get up. You're knocking on a stranger's door to ask them about the most personal thing they have, which is their ever-living soul. And our heart gets to racing. You're thinking they're going to sick the dog on me or throw rocks at me or something like that. Hasn't happened as far as I know to anybody out of the thousand doors we've knocked on in the last couple of weeks. Hasn't happened to anybody yet. But all of a sudden, you'll find yourselves held captive by fear. Sometimes we as the people of God get held captive by doubt. Sometimes we get held captive by peer pressure. We're all prone to that. And we oftentimes find ourselves, just as in the case of Peter, in need of deliverance. But there's some steps that have to be taken. There's some details that have to be worked out in order for us to have that deliverance. Peter didn't just walk out of there instantly. There's some things that had to fall into place first. And I assure you of this. God offers deliverance to everyone. To the lost this morning, he wants to offer you deliverance and a home in heaven. Aren't you glad about that? If you're here this morning and you're saved, our Father wants you to have deliverance from the fear that maybe you live in. He wants you to have deliverance from the doubt that maybe you live in. He wants you to have deliverance from the peer pressure that presses down upon us to conform to the ways of the world. But there's some details about deliverance that we need to know. Oftentimes, I find myself struggling with something that seems overwhelming, and I need deliverance. Sometimes I find myself worrying about things. I know none of you do that. We worry about our kids, we worry about our families, we worry about the future, we worry about the economy. Can I tell you, God wants to deliver us from that this morning, but we've got to know how God works and how God goes about delivering people. And the neat thing is, he gave us a pattern here with Peter. Deliverance is not going to be an accident. You're not going to stumble upon deliverance this morning. If you're lost and in need of, of a Savior this morning, there's some things you're going to have to do in order to be delivered. And this morning, if you're saved and you're held captive by something that God desires you be free from, you're going to have to follow the pattern that he's going to give us. 2020 in the United States of America, really the whole world, 
There's been a lot of things we've prayed for deliverance from. We've prayed for deliverance from this virus. I'll be glad when it's over, won't you? I'll be glad when all of this is over. We kind of get back to some semblance of a normal life. We've prayed for a deliverance from the division we're going through. Look, you're not in your right mind if you want division in America. We've prayed that God would deliver us from that. We've prayed that God would deliver us from the violence. Now, I want you to know there is deliverance available. And our Father, listen, He is the expert in deliverance. He can give us that today, but we've got to be willing to follow the steps that he's going to outline. And this morning, we're going to look at this thought, the details of deliverance. Acts chapter number 12 shows us the details of what was required in order for Peter to have deliverance. Now, this morning, if you're held captive by anything, you can follow these three steps and find deliverance in your life. Let's look at the first one in verse number three. The Bible says, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Look down to verse 4. And when he had apprehended him, here he is being taken captive, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Look down to verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept prison. Could we all agree this morning that Peter is a prime candidate for deliverance? Verse 2, verse number 3, verse number 4, verse number 6 details to us of all the things the king had done in order to keep Peter captive. Now, you're not going to have to convince Peter that he's in need of deliverance. He's sitting there between two soldiers. He's being guard, guarded round the clock by four quaternions of soldiers. And the Bible says he's sleeping with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. You don't have to convince Peter that he is in need of deliverance. Now, as simple as that may sound this morning, can I tell you, that's a very important detail of deliverance. Because the first thing I want you to notice this morning is that deliverance came to the one who needed it. Deliverance came to the one who needed it. He's sitting in the prison. He's guarded round the clock. He's chained between two soldiers. Peter is in need of deliverance. And you didn't have to convince him of that. But I believe today so many of us suffer as a captive, whether it is as a lost captive or even a voluntary saved captive. And we are a captive today because we haven't come to the place where we are realizing or admitting that we're in need of deliverance. So often in our lives we get to the place where we're unwilling to admit that we have problems. We're unwilling to admit that we have struggles. We're unwilling to admit that something has held us captive. And I'll tell you this, until you come to the place where you realize you need deliverance, you're never going to have deliverance. I remember when I was a child, I was convicted of my sin and the need for a Savior. I remember that my preacher sat down and he took the Bible. The first time I'd ever remember being presented the plan of salvation, and he took the Bible and went down through the Romans road. And he got to Romans 3, 23, where the Bible says, for all have sin. And he says, that means you. Now, wait a minute now. Got to get personal in here. I come back to get saved, and you're to start off by telling me that I'm a low-down sinner? Oh, absolutely. You know what he was doing by showing me my sin and showing me that I was lost in sin? He was showing me my need for a Savior. 
And then we get all the way down to Romans 10, 13, where the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what that is? That's deliverance. Do you know where the deliverance came in? After I realized my need. Now, folks, hear me out. Oftentimes, we as the people of God are some of the most arrogant people on the planet. We walk around with our head held high and our nose in the air, acting like we don't have problems. And we look at the world, and they're the ones who have the problems when the truth... Our world's in the shape it's in, not because of the lost, but because of the saved who have problems yet won't admit their needs. Folks, listen, who are we fooling? Who are we fooling? I assure you, we are not fooling the one who matters. He looks down and he knows and sees us as a captive. Look, if you looked in on Peter, Peter looked up at you and says, look, I know what it looks like, but I'm not a captive. He says, I know what it looks like. There's a soldier here, and there's a soldier here, and I got chains here, and they won't let me go, and they're going to chop my head off. But you know what? I'm not a captive. We look at Peter, and we say, who do you think you're fooling? All right? Now watch this. Here comes the boomerang. All right? That's what we do. We act like we don't have struggles. We act like we don't have needs. We act like peer pressure doesn't enter in our home. We act like we don't suffer moral failures in our life. And I want you to understand something this morning. Our God is ready and able and willing to bring deliverance to us this morning. But we're not going to have that deliverance from whatever holds us captive until we get to the place where we're willing to recognize and admit that we have a need for it. Can I tell you, Peter's not getting out of this captivity without divine intervention. Now, here's something neat I thought about. You notice the Bible says that he was sleeping. Look down at verse 6. The Bible says he brought him forth the same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I believe Peter's sleeping for two reasons. Number one, I do believe Peter's trusting God. You sleep really good when you trust God. That's why Daniel slept in the middle of that lion's den. Aren't you glad we can do that because of the God that we serve? Even in the midst of a 2020 We can sleep and we can have rest. Why? Because our God is still on the throne. He's got this. But also, I'll tell you why I believe Peter was sleeping. I believe he was sleeping because there was no way that he could deliver himself. He's sitting back. I mean, Peter, look, he doesn't have superhuman strength. I don't think he could take out the guards. If he could take out those two guards, what's he going to do about the chains? How's he going to get out the door? How's he going to outrun all of the guards? Peter understands he cannot do this by himself. And I want you to understand something. Peter would find deliverance, but he had to first get to the place where he realized, you know what? I need deliverance. And here we are this morning. We walk around and we put on our Sunday best and our suits and ties and our little pocket squares. And man, we look sharp. We say the right things. We dress the right way. Try to act the right way. You know, on the inside, we're held captive by something. Can I tell you something? Safe people sin too? Man, that was an easy one. Come on. That was not even controversial. If you've ever wanted a chance to amen, there was your chance right there. You just missed it. Listen to me this morning, folks. We mess up. We fall out of the will of God. We jump out of the will of God. It happens to us. And then we are voluntarily being held captive by our sin. It happens to all of us. If it could happen to David, a man after God's own heart, who do we think we are? If it could happen to Samson, if it could happen to Solomon, listen, if it could happen to all of those great men and women of God, listen, it can happen to us and we find ourselves held captive again. And the reason we don't have deliverance is because we don't realize or we don't think that we need it. And I think the best thing could happen to all of us this morning, as much as I hate what's happening in 2020, sometimes being destitute is the first step in being delivered. 
Sometimes getting to that destitute place where you realize of my own merit and my own strength and my own talent, I can't. Boy, those are tough words to utter, aren't they? I can't. Pride tries to keep that mouth shut. Pride wants you to say, I'll figure it out. Pride wants you to think, I'll break out of this prison on my own. Yeah, how would that have worked for Peter? It didn't work and it wouldn't work. He had to realize his need. And folks, let me tell you something this morning. Why can't we just be honest with ourselves and with God? And realize that we come to places often in our life where we are held captive by our fears and our doubts. We're even held captive by our sins. Proverbs 5.22, listen to what the Bible says. His iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his own sins. What does the Bible say sin does to us? We're held by the cords of our own sins. Have you ever strapped something down? Oh, my goodness. I've lost a lot of stuff out of the back of pickup trucks when I used to have a real job and was uh, working construction. I remember one time we're going down Highway 84, almost into Collins. I had a six-foot aluminum stepladder in the back of our truck. And I'm going down the road, and it was almost slow motion. Usually catastrophes seem like they take place in slow motion. I look in the rearview mirror, and miraculously, my ladder stood up. Remember that, Dad? Ladder just stands up. And then it decides, you know what? If I can walk, surely I can fly. What was that? They said on Dumbo, I've seen a horse fly and a house fly, but I've never seen a ladder fly. That ladder stands up, flies right out the back of my truck. Why? There was nothing there to hold it down. And And this car ran over it, no joke. The oil pan bolt, the plug on the oil pan, caught the top rung, ripped the top rung off, and the car just kept on going. Thank the Lord. What was the problem? I didn't have it tied down, all right? If I had it tied down, it would have kept it in the bed of the truck where it belonged. From then on out, you know, somebody needs to sit on that ladder. It just flies right out. Now, folks, so many of us this morning do not have the liberty to get up and to go and be about the will of God. Why? Because we're held by something. What did Proverbs say? The Bible says he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Could we admit that's possible? That a child of God could lose our way and get off into sin and we can't go and we can't do and we don't have liberty or freedom that we should as a child of God. Why? Because we're held with the cords of our sins. That's what's holding us back this morning. And the reason we can't get rid of those cords and have deliverance is because we don't think we need it. I'll be okay. I'll be fine. One of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 33, 3. Not just because it's the same name, but it says, the Bible says, that we call to him, he'll answer us and show us things that we don't know. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Now watch this. God says, I'll give you the answer. Oh, aren't you glad about that? I serve an answer-giving God. And boy, I've needed a lot of them lately. I, look, I have gone to his answer desk a lot of times lately. That angel's probably getting tired of me ringing that bell. I need some answers. The answers come on the other side of What? He says, call me. But when do we call God? When we need him. Do you know why we're not calling out to God as we should? We don't know if we need him that much yet. That's why 2020, as much as I hate a lot of the things that are going on, it's really is showing us our need for our God and for our Father. Because we've got to get to the place where we want deliverance bad enough to realize and to admit that we need it. And I fear this morning, 
that many of us don't have deliverance because we don't think we need it. I'll handle this of myself. I'll take care of it. I assure you this this morning. Denial is the greatest deterrent to deliverance. Denial is the greatest deterrent to deliverance. The Holy Spirit of God, look, will come to you through a church service and he'll knock on your heart's door about something. The Bible says that our Father can make us free indeed. Amen? He can give us deliverance from whatever you're facing this morning. You may be facing an addiction. You may face fear. You may be facing peer pressure. And it's just holding you captive and it's holding you down. And you don't have liberty or the freedom that God would have you to have. And he wants you to be free and free indeed. And then he comes to us and he says, hey, here's how you get free. There's a cord of sin. Yes, sin. And that's holding you back. That's holding you down. That's why you don't have the liberty or freedom to go and do what God has called you to do. Because you're held back by something. And the Holy Spirit says, get rid of that cord. And here's what we do. What cord? Holy Spirit says, that's what's holding you back. And that's what's holding you down. You say, God, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a problem. Almost as if God doesn't know. God sees us and God knows us better than anybody on the planet. There's no point in lying to him. Deliverance comes to the ones who need it. The book of Revelation, we see a picture of the church age I believe we're living in, in the, in the church age of Laodicea. What did they say? I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And he says, no, you're not. He says, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind, you're naked. He says, you're not what you think you are. He says, no, you know what they were doing? They were living in denial. Oh, my goodness, how I believe God is going to remove our candlestick and the opportunity that he's given us as long as we're living in denial of who he knows we are. And if we desire to have deliverance this morning, I'm talking about being set free just as Peter was set free. We've got to be willing this morning to own up to what God already knows, that we need deliverance that only he can give. Yesterday we were out knocking doors, had a good time with that. What a blessing it was to knock on the doors and pass out an invitation to be a part of our services, which also had the plan of salvation on the back, and invite people to our church and to learn about the true hope that is in Christ. Oh, what a privilege that was to be able to go do that. Why? Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize our world is being held captive right now. I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about just good old-fashioned sin. That's what's wrong with our world. They're held back. They're being held down by the cords of sin. And what a blessing it is to go and share the hope with them. Watch this, that somebody shared with me. Look, isn't it good to be free? Isn't it good to have liberty? Isn't it good to have deliverance in this morning? We ought to desire others have that. How sad it was to go to a few doors yesterday and to hear those words, no thank you. No thank you. I just want to invite somebody to church. I want you to come and hear about the saving grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they say, no, thank you. Not in a mean way. Very, very nice. But they say, no, thank you. You know what? They don't realize their need. And we think to ourselves how sad that someone would push away at the answer to the world's problems, and yet we do the same thing every service. When the Holy Spirit of God comes our way and offers deliverance to us, and in our chains... Of hypocrisy we say I'm not a prisoner I'm not a captive and yet we don't have liberty or freedom in our life there's something I want you to see before I move on to the second point it's very very important if you would look down the Bible says in verse 4 that he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers watch this next phrase to keep him 
Remember those words, to keep him. If you look down, the Bible says in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Verse 6, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Can I tell you how you know this morning that you need deliverance? Remember that word kept. You see, this morning, what is keeping you from doing and being who God's calling you to be and to do what God's called you to be, what's keeping you is what you need deliverance from. The Bible says that Peter was kept. Peter wanted to go. He wanted to be out. He wanted to be with the rest of the church, rejoicing and worshiping with them. But he couldn't. Why? Something was keeping him. Now, folks, I'll tell you this this morning. I can't look into your heart, and I'm thankful that I can't. And I'm thankful you can't look into mine. You find out that I'm more rotten than you think I am. But oftentimes in our hearts and lives, there's things that keep us, aren't there? Can I ask you? Don't answer out loud, okay? And husbands don't answer for your wives, and wives don't answer for your husbands. What is keeping you this morning? What is keeping you? What is keeping you from becoming the Christian that God would have you to be? Listen, if you're lost this morning, what's keeping you from being saved? That's what you need deliverance from. I don't need deliverance. Then why aren't you doing what God's called you to do? Why aren't you being what God's called you to be? Whatever's keeping you is what you got to have deliverance from. Think about this. What keeps you from being faithful to God? What keeps you from being faithful to God? It's easy to be faithful in here. I'm thankful for the wonderful spirit we have here in our church. But this is easy in here. What keeps you from being faithful out there? That's what you need deliverance from. What keeps you this morning from being obedient to his word? That's what you need obedience from. Well, you don't understand. I've got this going on in my life, and I've got these people in my life, and if I wasn't around those people, it would be a whole lot easier to serve God. Well, then you're going to have to get deliverance from them. That's what the Bible says. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. You see, in order for us to have the liberty and freedom that our God desires that we have, We've got to put our finger on what is keeping us. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7, Paul says, you did run well. You know, somebody that's running has liberty and freedom, don't they? Somebody that's running their race and doing their part and fulfilling the will of God, oh, they got the liberty to do that. I used to run track. It wasn't the best in the world, but I used to love to run. Now I just love to watch people run. And I enjoy walking. I don't, uh, 40 years old, I don't know that my knees are... Uh, going to hold out for too terribly long, so I'm just going to preserve them by watching other people run and ruin their knees. Somebody who's running a race, I never ran a race in track with, a, uh, with chains tied around my legs and chains tied around my arms. You can't run that way. Paul says, you did run well, but wait a minute. He says, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? He said, something held you back. Matter of fact, he phrases it this way, who did hinder you? Oftentimes, it's a somebody. Can I ask you this morning, who's holding you back? Who's keeping you? Who's holding your hands down that you're not able to have the liberty and freedom to be about the will of God for your life? I'll ask you another one, who keeps you from serving him? Who keeps you from serving him? You know, the Bible says that no man can serve two masters. What is holding you back that you can't be about the will of God and his service to him? What's keeping you? Peter did not have liberty or deliverance. Why? Something was keeping him. I'll give you one more. I'm going to ask you this question. I think this is an important one. Get very specific. What keeps you from having joy? What keeps you from having joy? 
There's too many Christians today, we don't have joy. Uh, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You don't have joy, you don't have much strength. What keeps you from having joy? Could it be bitterness this morning? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says to put away bitterness. Put it away. It, could it be this morning that somebody has wronged us, somebody has crossed us, and we're holding on to that bitterness? But here's the truth, that bitterness is holding on to us. And that bitterness is what is keeping us from having deliverance that God would desire that we have, that we can move on to serve him. Can I tell you, you can have deliverance this morning, but deliverance is going to come to those who need it. If the Holy Spirit of God shows you this morning something's holding you back, then I would encourage you just to agree with him. Look back down to chapter 12. I'll give you the second thing. The Bible says in verse number 5, we see some other people getting involved here in this matter of deliverance. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but watch this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Oh boy, what a beautiful picture here. Perhaps this morning you're not in captivity. Perhaps you're free to go and to be and to do all that God would desire that you do that. But verse 5 shows us a group of people here in the church. The Bible says they made prayer without ceasing unto God for him. You know what we see a picture of here? We see those who were not held captive doing their part for those that were. Here's Peter, and he's held captive, and here's the people outside of the prison. They have liberty. They have freedom. And they said, you know what? We want that same liberty and freedom for Peter. What did the Bible say they did? The Bible says they made prayer without ceasing of the church unto God for him, number two. Second detail about deliverance we need to notice is deliverance came by the ones who knew it, all right? It came to the one who needed it, but it came by way of those who knew it. Now, think about this. I want you to try to contrast the day in the life of Peter and a day in the life of the church. So what do you mean? Well, the church has freedom. The church has liberty to come and to go and do. And yet, what do we see Peter as? He's a captive. You think about Peter. Peter's sitting in prison all alone. He's by himself. And yet the church has the opportunity to have fellowship one with another. We see Peter sitting in the prison. I'm sure there were times where he sat in fear. And yet those that are in the church, they had peace. And we can go on and on this morning. We see that the church, they're free to live their life. And yet Peter is condemned to die. What did the Bible say? He'd already killed James. And he saw it pleased the Jews, so he's going to bring Peter forth also. Can I tell you that if you're here today and you've been set free and you have liberty, you ought to enjoy what God's given you so much that you desire it for somebody else. I want you to think about the life you have this morning as a child of God. We have liberty. We have freedom. We have peace we have joy, we have life, and yet those who've yet to trust Christ as their Savior are being held captive. The Bible says they're dead in their trespasses and sins. John chapter 3, the Bible says they're condemned already. And yet you and I have been given freedom. Isn't it good to be saved? Oh, 2020, look, if you can't smile about being saved in 2020, I doubt you seriously are. Because being a child of God, oh, I have peace in 2020. It's not easy sometimes. I have joy in 2020. I can have contentment in 2020. I have a life in 2020. Why? Because I have been set free. I have found deliverance. And just like the church, you know what we ought to be willing to do? We ought to be willing to help those 
who are still captive. John chapter 4, we read about the woman at the well. Her story is told so often. What a beautiful picture it is. And what the Bible say that a woman said in verse 29, after she had trusted Christ, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Can I tell you what happened to her? She was a captive, all right? She's a, she was a recovering captive, just like every sinner saved by grace is, all right? We're recovering captives. Were it for the grace of God, we'd still be captives. But thank the Lord, look, he sent his only begotten son that we could be saved. And we trusted in him, and we've been set free, and we are free indeed. All right? But not everybody's been set free yet. There's some people that are still held captive, and you ought to look at those folks that are held captive by their sin, and you ought to desire that they have what you have. And you ought to go to them and say, hey, let me tell you about what happened to me. He said, well, I'm not the greatest soul in the world. I'm not either. But you know what I can tell people? Let me tell you what happened to me. All right? Is that what Lazarus did? Told folks what happened to him. The woman at the well, she was not a seasoned soul winner, but she knew that what happened to her was something wonderful. And she wanted other people to have what she had. She says, deliverance is so good. I've told you I've preached in the jail many times as a teenager, and I was ready to get out of there when I did. I was so thankful they didn't decide to keep me. They'd open that door, and they'd let me out, and I'd walk out and get in my car. But man, not everybody got to walk out. Some people had to wave out the window. I got to go home to my family. I got to go home and do what I wanted to do and get up when I wanted to get up and go to sleep when I wanted to get up uh, sleep and I got to eat what I wanted to eat. I have liberty and freedom. Why? Because I'm not a captive. And as much as I enjoy what I have, oh, I wish they had what I have too and how we should feel about the lost. Right now we're going through this promotion to reach our town and to give hope, this season of hope. What a privilege. What a privilege. There's people right now that are being held by their cap, uh, captivity by fear and they're held captive by doubt and uncertainty and we can give them hope. I'll tell you what will motivate you to get out there and knock on somebody's door even though you're scared to death. Even if they have dogs. Can I tell you what will motivate you? Just reflect back at what he did for you. Remember you were lost. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were a captive. You dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. When we were designing this new track for our series, I told Brother Bo, I said, I want something dark. And I want a light shining in the darkness because that's exactly what Christ came to do. He was that light that was shining in the darkness. And I remember when that light shined down in my life and my heart. And I trusted him as Savior. And I was set free. Now he says, you know what? I've set you free. You've been a partaker of deliverance. Now go be a promoter of deliverance. That's what we get to do. Now, folks, look, sometimes we brag about things that aren't going to matter in eternity. I brag about food. I can't eat a whole lot of it now, so I at least talk about it. The other day I bought, uh, I bought some folks some donuts, and they said, well, I thought you were trying to lose weight. I says, I am. I says, but uh, if I can't eat them, I just at least want to watch somebody else eat them. I'm sitting there watching them eat. Oh, they have a new caramel, caramel glazed Krispy Kreme donut. It's not caramel, it's caramel, uh, Krispy Kreme donut. And I went and got some of those. Brought them. My dad had one the other night, pumpkin spice. Oh, my goodness gracious. I wanted somebody else to have what I used to enjoy so much. Now, folks, if you've tasted of the sweet and the good gift of God, if you know what it's like to be free, if you know what it's like to be rescued out of the prison and where the chains fall off and the light shines in, hey, this morning, why don't we be willing to go share that deliverance with somebody else? 
God says, I've set you free. Now I want you to go help uh, set someone else free. Galatians 6, 1, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. How often do we, as brethren, notice it said brethren, save people, get overtaken in faults. If you haven't ever been overtaken in a fault after you got saved, there's a pond across the street from my house. I want to take you and see if you can walk on that water. All right? If you've never been overtaken in a fall, then surely you can walk on water and maybe bring down some uh, low-calorie manna. I'd like to see you do that as well. The Bible says in Galatians 6 that if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you with your spiritual restore him. Restore him. Somebody said once that the church is the only army where we shoot our wounded. How sad that that is often the truth. People mess up and they get off in sin They're just waiting for that good Samaritan to come along and help them back up and get back up on their feet. Because I assure you, there's going to come a time you're going to find yourself in the ditch to write it down. You say, no, it won't. You just put a bullseye on the back of your head. You'll be next. And yet, doesn't it feel good to be back up on the road? You ever broke down spiritually? Boy, I have. Let God down. Let other people down. Feel like you got off over there in the ditch? And somebody comes along and encourages you, get you back up on the road. And yet we have the audacity to go down the road and look at the guys over here in the ditch and say, huh, you shouldn't have got yourself stuck. That's like looking through the window of the prison and saying, Peter, you shouldn't have got yourself arrested. Peter, you should have thought about this before you decided to become a captive. You're saying nobody on earth would say that. That's what we say to Christians today when we see them overtaken the fault and we don't go to restore them. Folks, look, word for the grace of God, we'd be right there in the ditch with them. And sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves off the road in the ditch as well. Why don't we decide, you know what? I'm going to be a promoter of deliverance just as much as I was a partaker of deliverance. The Bible says this. I've got to hurry, but I want you to see something in verse 5. The Bible says that prayer was made without ceasing. Watch this. Of the church unto God for him. You cannot miss those details. Of the church... Unto God for him. Watch the movements here. The church got in touch with God, and they were praying for Peter. All right? Notice my hands are shaped like an L. I want you to always remember that. You want to show somebody love? You get in touch with God, and you reach out to them. All right? That's why the church is here. It's our job to get in touch with God on the behalf of others. That's why God left us here. That's the job of the church. Look what happened. The Bible says, unto God, for him. They were bridging the gap between Almighty God and his power and those that were held captive as a prisoner. That's what we're to be about. There's so many held captive out there in the world today, and they need somebody who remembers what it's like to be a captive to get in touch with God and reach out to them. Look, the church does not love the world the way the church ought to love the world. So how do you know? Well, look, there's nothing wrong with getting in touch with God, but we need to free up one hand over here to reach out to the world. That's what Christ did. What does the Bible say? There's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Can I tell you what Christ did for me? I was the captive. I was the Peter. I was in sin. Look, I was in chains. I had no liberty or freedom in my life. And here comes Christ. One hand on the Father. He reached out to the captive. And he built the bridge and he mediated between us both. And that's what he's calling us to do. Look, you know, that's why we're passing these things out. 
There's folks in our community who don't know Christ as their Savior. They're not sure if they die, they go to heaven. And they need somebody that loves them enough to get a hold of God and reach out to the world. By the way, you've got to have both. I know a lot of churches that are reach, 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 but it does no good if you don't get in touch with God first. Church has got to get a hold of God. And when a church gets hold of God, it's like power. You know how power works? It's a circuit. Light switches break the circuit or complete the circuit. When you complete the circuit, the light comes on. When you break the circuit, the light goes off. The circuit between reaching the lost is when we get a hold of God and we reach out to the world and we bring them to him. That's why he's left us here on this earth. Number two, notice where deliverance came from. It came by the ones that knew it. If you know deliverance this morning, why don't we take it to those who've yet to know and yet to have what we have. And finally, the Bible says this, verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. So first thing, Peter understood his need. The church did their part. And now the only thing left was for God to do his part. Aren't you glad? You can be assured this morning, God's always going to do his part. We serve a faithful God. He's going to do his part. So Peter understood his need. The church did their part. And now we see God stepping in. Number three, I want you to notice the last detail about deliverance. Deliverance came through the one that was known for it. Deliverance came through the one that was known for it. In the end, can I tell you, the deliverance that our world needs right now can only come from our Father. I know all this election stuff and all this back and forth, back and forth. But in the end, if you're looking for the answer for America's deliverance to come from Washington, you got it dead wrong. It doesn't matter who our president is. The true deliverance is deliverance from sin to release the captive, to give them freedom where they're free indeed. That's only coming from our Father. And notice when he realized his need and the church did their part, God stepped in and God did his The Bible says this in Psalms 18. David says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. David says, My God's a delivering God. My God's a delivering God. That's what our God does. Our God's the one that sets people free. Look, that can't come from government. I mean, folks, we've got too wrapped up and figuring this back and forth and back and forth with all the politics. When in the end, the church can make a whole lot more difference if we just got a hold of God and reached out to the captives. All right? I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved in politics, but I'll tell you this. God will set them free for good. All right? We keep trying to come up with new programs to set people free. Our Father can do a whole lot better than a program. But the church has got to get a hold of him and then reach out to those that are held captive. I want you to see real quickly what he did in verse 7. For the captive. The Bible says, and a light shined in the prison. Only our God can shine light in the darkness. Do you know why the lost world's acting like they're uh, acting like they're acting? Because they walk in darkness. They walk in darkness. You'd walk funny too if you walked in darkness, stubbing your toe, running into things. The Bible says a light shined in the prison. Only our God can do that. And then notice what happened, and he smote Peter on the side. I know what you're thinking here. We get to hit people. No, we don't. No, we don't. Some of you wives are getting too excited, so I had to cut that off real quick. I thought about this this morning. You ever wish you could go up to somebody who's held captive in sin and just shake them? What are you doing, man? Oh, you're missing out on having liberty and freedom in your life. You're missing out on deliverance, and you just want to shake them. 
tracks. You can't do that, all right? Don't do that. If you go out with our tracks and you shake somebody, you're kicked out of the church. <laughs> we'll kick you out, I'll give you to another church that could use you really, really bad, all right? Man, some people, I just want to shake. Why? People say no. People slam the door. You're like, why? And you just want to shake them. Oh, I can't shake people. But you know what? I serve a God that can shake them like nobody can. The Bible says, and he smote Peter on the side. I'm so glad that our Father can wake people up from the deepest sleep of sin. A lot of people are snoozing right now, but God can wake them up. Keep reading. The Bible says he raised them up. Glad I serve a God that's known for raising people up. No matter how low you get, he can raise you up. Man, we could preach on these all day, but we're not, okay? Some of you get nervous. Let's keep reading real quickly. Raise him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. So glad that I serve a God that's known for loosening the chains. Shining light into the darkness, he can wake up the deepest slumbering sinner. And then the Bible says he can take those chains off. That's why David says, Psalms 40 of 17, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. David says, I got to have him. Got to have him. And I want you to know this morning, I don't know where each and every one of us stand with God, but I assure you, every one of us need him and him alone for deliverance. Can I ask you a question that I want you to answer quietly in your heart? Are you held captive by something this morning? You don't have the freedom and the liberty to be the Christian God's called you to be. You don't have that freedom and liberty. You don't have that joy. Why? Something's keeping you. Something's keeping you. Something's holding you back. There's a cord holding you down, and your God, listen, he wants to set you free from that. But number one, you're going to have to realize your need. You're going to have to realize this morning, he'll come to those who need it. And if you don't need his help, look, he's going to move on to the next person this morning. But then he's going to come by those who know it. Would you let God use you this morning to go help proclaim liberty to the captive? Why? Because the God that we serve is known for it. He's a deliverer. And I pray this morning that there will not be a person here in this building right now who walks out of this room without having deliverance and whatever it is that's holding you back today. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. Can I ask you this morning, are you being held captive? Oh, he wants to set you free. There's deliverance. You can be delivered this morning of what holds you down and what holds you back, but you've got to be willing to admit to him what is keeping you. What is keeping you? What's holding you back? Who's holding you back? This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, I want you to know, Isaiah 59, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. He can lift you up this morning. He can set the chains free this morning. He can shine light into your darkness this morning. He can wake you up from that slumber of sin this morning. But the question is, do you want deliverance? Heavenly Father, I'm thankful, Lord, for who you are and what you can do and what you've proven that you can do all throughout your word. Lord, I'm thankful for that day many years ago where you knocked on my heart's door and you showed me that I was lost and in need of a Savior. And that, Lord, I trusted you as my Savior and I found, Lord, that forgiveness and I found that freedom and liberty. And I pray this morning if there's one here lost, they'll come and be saved before it's too late. Father God, I pray for those that are saved. Lord, help us to be honest with you this morning because that's the only one that matters. 
And Lord, help us to see the cords that hold us back. Help us to seek deliverance and freedom and liberty in our life. Help us to have that joy again. Lord, help us to turn loose of what's keeping us from all that you'd have us to be today. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, the altar's